Good morning. How's everyone doing? Who's, in, who's enjoyed 2024 so far? I have, I have. I still got the shakes from that worship. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was good. Um, it was amazing. Thanks, thanks, Pastor Tosh, and thanks to the worship team as well. Yeah. It's exciting to be part of what God is doing in this place and this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, you'll notice that Bethany and I are facilitating today. We don't facilitate often together. <laughs> <laughs> talks too much. Yes. Much of a <laughs> the last time we facilitated together, she said, you talk too much. I didn't have anything to say. So um, we, we planned what would you time. like to say, Bethany? Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to everyone, especially if it's your first time this morning. Um, great to see you. Notice really I'm keeping quiet. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks really y'all. excited to have you with, have us, I lost my flow now. To have you with us all, um, if it is your first time, we would love to give you a welcome pack if you see any of our hosts with the lanyards on. Uh, they would love to bless you. There's a free coffee voucher in there, so head that, uh, take that to the cafe after this, after the service. Yeah. Hey, we have a few announcements that we do want to make real quickly. Firstly, um, you would have seen we had a Christmas appeal for She Rescue. Um, Bethany, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Before I do, jumped a little bit. If, you, <laughs> if it's not your first time and you would like to know a little bit more about the church, hey, <laughs> I write the notes. I, I so miss I stuff. Know. You know, that's, that's what I do. And that's why we have <laughs> Bethany here. <laughs> If you are um, wanting to get connected, know what's coming up, wanting to serve, um, you can check out our website. Um, you'll find all that information there. We are on all the socials as well, as you can see up there. Yeah. Um, and also, if you do, if you have been coming for a while, you do consider um, Life and Legacy your church home. Uh, we do have a family Facebook page as well. So if you search um, LNL Family, it looks like that. Um, that's for those. We just share a bit more um, in there about what's happening more in-house. Um, so we'd love you to be a part of that. Yeah, make it Facebook official, you know? You know? So come That's on, right. join the team. Man. Okay. And as Kim was saying, um, we did do um, our Christmas appeal this year was for She Rescue. And I just want to thank everyone who was a part of that. We raised $735 as a church, and that's really exciting. Yeah, you yeah. can have a round of applause. That's great. So we were able to bless those girls um, who have been rescued and are in the process of healing um, now. So that was really exciting that we could be part of that. Awesome. Hey, I, I want to share a little bit about fasting and prayer. As you know, we're going into a week of fasting, and I want to invite you to join with us. Um, I want to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, and it says this, When you fast, very important words of Jesus. He didn't say if you fast, you know, oh, don't fast anymore, that's an old school thing. He says when you fast. It's a spiritual discipline that Jesus intended for us to have, but... You know, in our modern world, like I think some of the spiritual disciplines like reading the word and um, uh, like g- gathering for worship, that, that is transferred. But fasting and prayer is not one of those things, but it's a spiritual discipline that will transform your life. It will. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. It says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do when, uh, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Because it was a very common thing in those days. When you're, not, when you're fasting, you might not feel the best. And it was just a show. Hey, look at me. Look how good I'm doing. I'm fasting. I'm so spiritual. And Jesus says, don't, don't do that. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a reward on the other end of creating space in your life. And so the way I see it, it's like a soul detox. It's a spiritual download. It's a time of receiving new vision. And what I like to do is, you know, we go, we encourage people to go on a Daniel fast. Um, If you want to know more about that, uh, we can share that. If if you're on our email list, you would have received that. You can look it up online at Daniel Fast. Personally, I like to take all that time I spend on entertainment and redirect it. Like even the podcasts I listen to, I go listen to, you know, um, autobiographies of, of Christian people in the past. Um, and things like that. Just and, and what I find is by the end of the week, my sails are so full. I am ready. I'm rearing. And every time I fast, I come out of fasting going, I need to do that more. 
But then I wait six months, and, <laughs> and when it's in the calendar, that's when we do it as a church. We do it twice a year. But I want to encourage you to be part of that with us. Yeah, so that's 15th to the 19th of January. This week we do it twice a year, as Kim said. I'm really excited about it. I used to think it was a bit of a dated practice, but we get the whole family involved. And it really is, it's simple. It's just about creating that space, cutting some of the clutter, especially this time of year as we start the new year. It's great to just take some time to hear from God um, for the year, just to refresh. Um, I did my meal plan yesterday, so it's good to be prepared as well. If you're not, it's okay. You can jump on later in the week. Um, but yeah, I just, just got my... Um, Meals ready and groceries, because usually I just kind of, Monday, oh, that's right, we're fasting. Yeah, that's what I do, so, every time. <laughs> and he's like, what am I going to eat? So yeah, just be prepared if you can. Um, but as I said, it doesn't have to be food. We sent out an email. Kim also put some um, couple of videos up on the family page as well, the Facebook family page. Just simple ways, um, why you fast and how to fast. So that's really exciting. Another thing he said in there um, is get communal. So this, um, it's, I know it helps me push through with the fasting, knowing that there are other people doing it and there's benefits on the other side. So um, this Tuesday night, we'll be having a prayer meeting, uh, seven o'clock. So come on down. Um, let's, let's do this together and start the year well. Absolutely. Cool. Um, Food pantry, what's happening with that? Food pantry is reopening this week, yes. So we've had a couple of weeks off over Christmas, but we will be reopening. We still have some fridge issues, um, but pantry is well stocked, freezer is well stocked. So come on down Tuesdays and Thursdays. We would love to see you. And next Sunday? Next Sunday. Have... Uh, this is uh, kids' uh, school Sunday. Next Sunday, all right. So that's when we week, pray. Sorry. One more week left of holidays. <laughs> Sorry? One more week left of holidays. Yes, one more yes. week left of holidays. And the kids go back to school, not tomorrow, but the Monday after. And so we're just going to pray for all our kids, all our teachers as well. So that's next Sunday. Bring your children along. Uh, that'll be a segment in church to pray for them. There's a bit of noise. Did you not realize there was one more week left? <laughs> oh, teachers are back. Teachers are back. Oh, all the teachers week. are back. Oh, okay. We yeah, should so have prayed for them this week. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be praying for all the teachers. Well, and all next the week. There you go. There you go. Sure, sure. Yeah. And we have a kitchen update. Oh, yeah. We've all seen what's been going on, the mess that's yeah, been Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kitchen is, uh, the cabinets anyway are going in tomorrow. They've been built at the back of the church, waiting to go in, so we will reclaim that space back there. That's very exciting. Hasn't that been a journey? <laughs> it's like the walls of Jericho, you know? <laughs> Big thanks to Holly May and the team. She has footed most well of that. Well done, Thank Holly, you, Holly May. May. Amazing. Uh, if we can make it through that kitchen, we can make it through anything. I think that was, uh, that was the sentiment uh, around. Hey, we want to go into a moment. Uh, right now, we want to honor Julian and Toa. Um, some of you may know that Julian and Toa are stepping into a new season. They feel God is leading them to plant a church with another organization. And today, we want to take a moment to recognize their contribution. Um, Julian and Toa, if it's all right, would you like to come up? Is that okay? We put them in hand. Is this okay? the family yep they can come up do they want to come up it's uh, up in the middle up in the middle <laughs> please just uh between us that would be fantastic so as kim said we just want to take this moment to recognize honor and thank the lates um, for all their heart ministry and investment over the last eight years they were there from the start they stood with us they've served collectively as a family in worship events, connections, tech, service coordination, families, kids, and everything in between. They were our elders and our two ICs. They've been a friend to us all. While it's hard to see them go, we'll all miss them. We recognize the call of God on their life and we release and we bless them as they step into this new season. So we'd like to give a gift and we have some flowers for you as well. Uh, we hope that this gift would be um, useful in this uh, new season of ministry, brother. Would you uh, put your hands together? Yeah. Would, would you stand? Would you stand with me? Yeah. Elders, would you, would you please come? Could, you, could we get you? Actually, could we, could we just do this right and center it? <laughs> center you guys. Um, who do you maybe want to come on this side? It's all right, yeah. So, Father, we just uh, we want to thank you for the lates, all of them, Lord. Marta, uh, Connie, Susanna, Toa, and Julian, Lord. And we 
uh, we release them. We pray God's blessings on the next season of their life, Lord. We thank you for their life. We thank you for their companionship, their friendship, their leadership, everything that they have planted and sowed, Lord. And uh, we thank you, Father, that there is a ripe harvest out there. Looking for workers in the harvest, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you continue to send. And we pray, Lord God, your blessing upon them, their family, their children, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, for everything that they are and they have been, Lord. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together? Why don't you grab your seats? Um, before we move on, I just want to take a moment to honor some of the pastors here. Um, I want to take a moment just to honor the people who have served as senior pastors previously but now call our church home. Is that okay? I, don't, I didn't tell anyone, so I, I hope this is okay. Uh, Tony and Jeanette, would you mind standing? Would that be okay? Uh, Jenny? Would you mind standing? Would that be okay? Pastor Moen and Jackie, would you mind standing? These are people who have worked in ministry, um, spent a season as senior pastors, and are now God has put them in our church to be a blessing and a support to us. And you guys may not have known that about them, but now you do. And would you just put your hands together and just honor these, these people? We want to thank you for what you've done in, the, in, in a generation. We stand on shoulders of giants. So thank you again. Why don't you grab a seat? All right. We're going to go into a time of giving. And uh, we're going to invite our main man, Nathan up. Where, where is he? Hey, okay. Because he doesn't have enough on this morning. <laughs> morning, morning. How are we all? Apologies if I'm a bit sweaty. It's hot up there. It's an <laughs> oven, man. And the air cons just go that way. They don't go down. <laughs> so it's great. Awesome. Um, yeah, um, I'd love to take this opportunity um, just uh, to uh, have a time of giving. We have plenty of ways to give. You see up on the screen. Uh, we have cash if you're old school, direct deposit, FPOS, or we have the Tithely app. You know, um, so many ways you can give. Um, I want to talk about decisions, you know. We make them every day. Do I eat the apple? Do I eat the cookie? I always eat the cookie. Um, but yeah, like we're, we're currently teaching uh, Moira, my, my, my little nearly two-year-old, that's crazy, uh, about decisions, you know? Um, also um, teaching her to listen and then make a decision. So we want her to listen to us and then make a decision, right? She's got the basics down packed, you know? She knows please, thank you, sit, shake, roll over, play dead. <laughs> Got some blueberries in my pocket just to, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, a new one this week was that we, when we take a walk and we, say, and we just say, stop, she just, just stops and squats in place. Not the best time to do it in the middle of the road, but, you know, it's fun, right? But lately, like all parents, all parents, you probably agree with me, we're facing the challenge of getting her to listen to us when we tell her not to do something. You know, um, don't you hate it? Because <laughs> like you tell them not to do something because they're going to get hurt, but then they do it and they don't get hurt. That, I don't know about you, but that kind of ticks me off because to her, in her mind, that's the world saying that I'm full of it, right? That's her saying, that, oh yeah, dad said I'm going to get hurt. No, I don't. It's fine. I'll do it anyway, right? It's fine. Whatever. But right. So at the moment, she loves jumping on the couch. Okay. And we don't want her to jump on the couch because she's gonna get hurt, right? She'll fall off, right? And, um, but in her mind, right, it's a game. So when we say, hey, sit down please, or get off the couch, right? She then jumps faster, she jumps higher, right? And she gets in as many jumps as she can because she knows that we're eventually gonna come to her, right? And then she just sits down, looks up and smiles. And then I forget why I'm angry, right? <laughs> 
But it's all about decisions, right? She, she, like, I tell her to do something, she makes a decision, right? When we make decisions every day. So think about money, right? Money is a decision, right? Um, to me, I don't see money as my own. I just see it as my turn to spend it, right? And, you know, go to the bakery after church. You go to the coffee machine after church. It's not your money. It's just your turn to spend it. And then it'll be their turn to spend it. And it'll keep going, right? But how are you going to use your turn? right? You have a decision in front of you. You have money, right? Hopefully. Um, you can use it for the origin bill. You can go to Zarafas, right? You can go to Amazon, you know, you can use your money there, right? Or a decision you can make in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is that each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't waste your turn, you know? It's, not, it's not like it's a game of chess, like where if you make a turn, you lose the whole game, right? But decide now um, to give what God has put in your heart, right? I can't stand up here, you know, and tell you what you're gonna get if you receive it. Only God knows your heart, yeah? So... I'm just going to pray, if that's cool. Um, God, I just lift up every person here, every family that is represented here. Um, I pray that in their heart, they have decided to give something of value, um, decided to give this to your cause, um, to give this to your kingdom, Lord God. So I pray that as they do that, that they are blessed, Lord God, that they are blessed from what the heart wants, Lord God, that only you know the unique thing that they need, Lord God. So I pray that um, as they do this cheerfully, that you, that you will just give abundantly, that you will just bless them abundantly, Lord God. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey. Amen. Hey, hey, there you go. Amen. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to uh, sign our kids in into kids' ministry. Uh, so if you want to do that, uh, the rest of us want to get out of your seat. Go talk to someone you haven't talked to yet. Welcome them into church. And we're going to get into the word really, really soon. Nice.
Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, we're really uh, excited to have Tosh here in the house today. Um, I believe that God has a word in season for us. Would you put your hands together? Welcome, my brother Tosh. Up. Amen. Thanks, bro. Ah, uh, well, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I um, I was really touched by that worship here today. It was just so beautiful. So thank you, team. You guys really did an amazing job. And uh, just coming into the service at the beginning in prayer, I could really feel the sense of the Spirit of the Lord here. I could feel just a beautiful presence of God. And as I was walking around praying, I just really felt that the Lord dropped it into my heart about uh, a scripture, a very famous scripture from Isaiah chapter 54. So if you've got your Bibles, please just turn there really, really quickly. And I'd like to read that before I get on with anything that I've prepared uh, for today. And it just says this in Isaiah chapter 54, uh, from verse 1, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not laboured with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And I just really felt this sense of what you guys have been establishing here over the last period period of time, you've seen an addition to the work of God and you've seen God be faithful and many prayers have been prayed and many prayers have been answered. But I do feel like coming into this year, into a new season, you guys have got a, a, a real grace upon your house for, for God to move into the lives of each and every one of you. Many of you have had faith towards the church going forward and faith towards God working and building up something for the kingdom in the local community. But I love the start of verse 1 here and it says sing O barren it says you who have not born and I believe that there are people in this church who God has been stirring you up on the inside and you felt like oh I'm glad to be around the work of God because I love the pastors and I'm glad to be around the work of the Lord because I love the, the music team and I, I love seeing what God's doing but God's telling you to sing God's telling you that hey if you felt like the, the grace and the breakthroughs of God are for other people, God's telling you, no, it's this season and it's for you. Amen. I think that the Lord is the kind of shepherd that leaves the 99 to go looking for the one. And sometimes when we're the one sitting out there on the edge, we go, oh, it's everybody else who gets the grace of God. But let's remember that He is the Father that heart is broken for the one on the edges. He wants everybody brought into His promises and fulfilled in His promises. Amen. Now, there's a lot more in that passage that I won't go into, but uh, I just felt to deliver that word to you guys. And I really want to encourage you in the grace of God uh, for this coming year and for this coming season. And uh, as well, for those of you who are on the edge and, and feeling like, oh, you're the one on the outside, remember the Lord's saying to you, go on and dare, go on, go on and dare to stretch out the lengths of your cords. Go on and dare to stretch out your heart and your mind for God to come and inhabit that place. Because He is the God of His people. Amen. And the worship leader, as our worship leader was saying before, uh, He does inhabit the praises of His people. Now, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with them to the book of Ephesians and chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 17, but before we go there, I'd love to introduce myself to you. I've known Pastor Kim for some time in and around the ACC Southside District. I myself am, am a Assemblies of God or Australian Christian Church's minister. Uh, for about the last 15 years, I've been an itinerant evangelist. So I've been traveling across Australia and around the world. For five years before that, we planted straight out of Bible college, my wife and I, with one baby. We went and planted a church out at Winter and Manly. We stayed there for five years and grew that church and God blessed that church. And we finished our pastoral mission at that time with three children. So it's really easy. Just get married, have a kid, plant a church and have two more babies. That was a real easy journey for us, as, as I'm sure you can imagine. And then uh, the Lord opened up miraculously a number of doors for me to travel into Southeast Asia and then the United States and then all over the world uh, in, in traveling ministry. And I did that full-time uh, directed ministry for about nine years. And then uh, by the grace of God, uh, 
He shifted me a little bit, still in the evangelist role, but I didn't travel internationally anymore because about six years ago, uh, it's a longer story than this, but I'll give you the abbreviated version. My wife passed away. By that stage, we had five kids and my eldest was 15 and my youngest was six. So again, really easy, right? But God's always with us. Amen. And so I've only been sort of doing ministry around Southeast Queensland for the last so long. And about six months ago, a friend of mine, um, word came to me that he just decided to close his church on the north side. And sometimes in ministry life, you, you go through issues that become like layers in a cake. And then before too long, it's uh, like the one layer that breaks the camel's back, you know. And he was just at this point where he felt like he had to close his church. He had no option to get out of it. And uh, it was either his marriage and his family or it was going to be the church. And so he just felt that he needed to close. And one of the people in his congregation who I knew reached out to me and she said, this pastor's closing his church. That's so terrible. So I called my friend and I said to him, let's have breakfast in the morning. So Monday morning, I rocked up at his place and I said, you know, I heard him out and what was going on for him. And man, he'd really been through the ringer. And I myself have faced a few challenges. So I was able to empathize with him. And uh, eventually I said to him, like, but why close your church? Like, it's really notoriously hard to start a church. Why close it? And he basically said, we don't have anyone to take the church on. And his wife said to me, would you take it on? And I said, look, I'll take it on for a month and give you guys a break. Well, one month turned into four months. And then at four months, I said to him, mate, you know, the church hasn't got a pastor. It's got a preacher. You know, it's growing and God's doing something there, uh, but it needs, a, it needs a pastor. And we talked and prayed about it for a little while. And about a month ago, I was placed in as the senior pastor of this church up on the north side. And I'm back in pastoral life and I'm loving it, you know. So we started off with uh, the first week that I went in. There was 15 people there. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been punching through 60. So we've been seeing the Lord really move in power. Praise God. And in the second week in there, we, we prayed for a bloke at the prayer meeting and the Lord touched him and healed him of his prostate cancer. And God started a real little move of the spirit in there. Glory to God. And we have a food charity that we run and the food charity, not dissimilar to your food pantry. We feed about 250 to 300 families from the local community up in Everton Park. And we've started seeing the staff getting full of the Holy Spirit and praying for people in the food bank. And just recently there was a lady who came in who could barely walk on one of her legs and the staff all gathered around and they prayed for this lady uh, who was a chaplain at one of the local schools and this lady says oh I can feel something funny in my legs she says she's from a conservative sort of church she goes home that night and she's sitting in uh, in bed watching tv and she's like oh I can feel something funny in my leg continue to she woke up in the morning the pain was almost gone she came in a week later and she said to the staff my leg is completely healed I don't know what happened but glory to God amen so, you know, it's great to give God glory on all of the, the, big, the big ticket items. But so I really want to share with you a, a word this morning that I'm going to trace back to, to where I was when I got saved. And I've always been touched by the love of God toward his people. And, and I've always been shocked by um, how far God will go to touch and to reach people. And when I first got saved, uh, I, was, uh, I was not living a good life at all. I was 21 years of age, living down at Capella Bar, and um, cutting a very long story short, living at a hotel, at a pub down there in the manager's flat, and I was being trained up to be the general manager of the hotel. Well, all of my friends were looking at my life thinking, wow, you know, you're living hard and dangerous and you're living a fast life. Wow, that's great. You're doing great, Tosh. And every time I would hear that, a piece of my heart would just be so dead from the life that I was living in the ways of the world. And I was thinking, I've got, I'm doing everything that the world says and I've got the stuff that people are admiring me for in life, but I just hate this life that I'm living. And I've found, you know, when you travel into the ways of the world, it's really the ways of the devil. And he only comes to kill and steal and destroy, right? And, and he makes it look like it's all fancy and it's like admirable and it's desirable. But the worst thing that can happen in the devil's plan is he can get a hold of that filth that he 
you know, makes desirable in your eyes. And I was just at a point where I was like, I don't even want to keep going. What am I doing living this life for? And I'd had an encounter with God when I was 13. And um, I remember the church and I went back to the church and I went into that church saying, God, I don't know what life is all about, but I just know that you're the only real thing that I've ever met. You're the only powerful thing that I've ever met. You're the only hope that I've ever had. Would you just come and just mess, like mess up this mess and make this mess good again? And I went into the church, you know, dark and, you know, full of all kinds of negativity and hatred. And I had an encounter with God and I walked out of that church a completely different man. By the grace of God, he set me free. And my past, yeah, praise God. And I want to say to you here today, if you're on the edge of life or if you're just visiting church today and checking this thing out, I want to say to you that church isn't a club where all the happy people come together and try to compare happiness with each other and all compare blessings with each other and compare how much I prayed compared to how much you prayed. Church is not a religious club. Church is a place where broken people have been touched by the creator of the universe and made into the people that we were designed to be. Are we perfect? No. But we've been set free from the bondages of, of the enemy. And those same things that bore weights in the depth of our soul, that sit in the depths of your soul, God wants to set you free from them as well. Just in the same way he's done for us. And we, we glory in nothing other than what Jesus has done for us. We take no glory for the things that God has done in our lives. And we point all of the appreciation back to him. And so anyway, on that track, my pastor says to me after I first get saved, I'm like three months saved. And he says to me, do you want to come to Papua New Guinea for a mission trip? And I didn't feel worthy enough. So next year when the trip came around again, he said to me, do you want to come to Papua New Guinea on this mission trip? And I said, yes. And so we're sitting next thing. I knew it. We, we found ourselves in Papua New Guinea on crusade. There's, there's about three or 4,000 people out in front of us and he's just preached the gospel and he's been praying for people and people are getting healed. And then the pastor comes up to all of the team who were traveling from Australia and they were the elders of the church and they were the pastor's son and all of these worthy people. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a long-haired bogan from Kapalabar feeling very unworthy to be there. And the pastor comes up to me and all of the people on the platform and he goes, you guys go down there and pray for them. And I thought he meant all the qualified and all of the worthy people, not, not me. And uh, so I just, I just stood there when they all went down. And the pastor saw me out of the corner of his eye and he comes back to me and he goes, get down there, go and pray for them. And I just had this adrenaline rush hit my body and I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do. All I knew is that I'd seen him lay hands on people and pray in Jesus' name. So I said, oh, wow, I better go and do it because he says so. Little does he know I'm going to fail, but like whatever. And so I got up to this lady. There was this little old lady and I didn't know uh, what you know, condition she had, but she, she had this twisted neck and I prayed for her and you know, people were falling over all over the place being prayed for. But when I prayed for her, this lady, she fell straight back and there was no catcher behind her to catch her. And she fell straight onto the ground and she went thud when she hit the ground. And, and then she wasn't moving. And I was standing there and I was so fearful about what, what had happened just here and right now. The first thing that went through my head is I have killed her. And, and the pastor had told us, you know, going cross-culturally, different things mean uh, different, you know, they have different meanings when you go across culture. And if you accidentally kill a chicken or a pig, you better get out of that town right now because they're coming for you. This is culture in Papua New Guinea. And I thought, great, I've killed a little old lady. They're all coming for me now. And so I was freaking out. And the pastor, just, he starts laughing at me and he goes, go pray for the next person. Turns out that that little old lady was the mother of the local pastor pastor who'd put on this rally. And then that night he came with word to us at our little compound that his mother's neck had been completely straightened. And I just could not believe it. I thought, God, if you can use me, you can use anyone. And I love this scripture. I haven't written it down, but it's Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. It says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth searching for those who he can show himself strong on their behalf. I reckon God is more keen to move into this world than we are to believe it. 
because he's sitting on the edge of his throne in the heavens with his eyes roaming to and fro. Who's ready to go for me? Who's ready to take up my mantle? Who's going to hear the word of the Lord in, in their heart and let that word become flesh that's going to step out? Who's going to allow that word of God to become inaction through them? And I tell you, it's a dangerous life to live like that, but only dangerous to the flesh. It is an empowering life when you walk with the, with the Spirit and you know Him who is in you, that He is greater than He who is in the world. And you know that when the Word of the Lord comes to you, you can say, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by God's Spirit that I can be victorious in Him. Amen. I'd love to bring your attention now to uh, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to have a look at chapter 1 and starting at verse 17. Now, this is the, the great Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul has um, this apostolic prayer that he's praying over this church that he's planted. When he went to the city of Ephesus, which was a historic and famous city, it was uh, housing one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Temple of of Diana or the temple of Artemis by another name. And, and, and Artemis is still a, a goddess figure that is worshipped today by European witchcraft. They take their roots of worship all the way back to this particular character. And in this city was the place in the world. If you wanted to really worship her, you would make your pilgrimage to this city. And Paul decided with the power of God, he was going to go to this city and he was going to share the gospel in this city. And they had such a revival in this city that the people of the city, they decided to form a riot to try to get rid of him because their temple trade was plummeting because the kingdom of God was expanding in their midst. He went into the very depths of darkness and God moved in power. And it was later in the book of Acts that you find the story that they eventually decide for Paul to move on out of the city. And he writes a letter back once he's traveling into other places. And this is it. This is his letter to the city of Ephesus, to the people in the city, the Ephesian people. And this is what his prayer is for them. He's been away for a little while. Timothy, his disciple, has been in the city doing the discipling. Some other letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, you'll find them later in the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Timothy. But this is what Paul says when he's addressing the people. This is his prayer for them about what he wants them to know on their inner world. Not about the conformity of the outside, but how to live in a deep relationship with the Lord. How to have a place of intimacy and victory and power. So let's read verse 17. Uh, that, you, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. The Bible gives Jesus many names. He's called the vine. He's called the door. He's called many things. There are actually numerous names given to the Father in the New Testament, and this is one of them, the Father of glory. This Greek word for glory here, the original language word that the script was penned in, it's the word doxa, and it's talking about a glory, a weighty glory that sits on us and abides with us, and by His presence and His goodness being with us, He transforms us. It's comparative to the Old Testament word kabod. Many of you might know that word. That the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of Him. So to know the Father Himself, it's a spiritual revelation that, that has wisdom and it has revelation. It has knowledge inside of it. And when the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him comes upon us, in verse 18, it says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. It's like that your spiritual eyes would flick on by an understanding that God is with you, by His spiritual revelation to you, by His personal revelation to you, by His revelation to you in the very depths of the essence of who you are. That's what's going to fulfill. That's what's going to grace us to go into the future. And he says here, these three things that we, when we, when the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, we see these incredible three things that I'm going to do. God help me my very best to get through, but uh, we'll see how we go for time. He says here that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you would know, first of all, the hope of his calling, the second one, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And third is the 
uh, the, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Absolutely phenomenal. The first one there that I want to look at is talking about the hope of his calling. When God speaks to us, when the, when the living God himself speaks into our, our world, he doesn't just come along as a taskmaster and say, all right, I've got some jobs for you to do. And until you fulfill them, I'm going to remain really unpleased. And then only after you have fulfilled these tasks, well, then you can have my approval. No. The, the Father isn't looking at us like that at all. And some people think that God's angry with them and God is a judge and is judging them. But Romans 5, Jesus reveals to us when he's confronted by the, by the teachers of his day, Jesus reveals that the Father judges no one. And he's actually committed all judgment to the Son. So here's the question. If the Father isn't up there in heaven judging, what's he up there doing? He's watching over our lives and he's giving us direction into the future. He's speaking those words of encouragement like, come on, son. Come on, daughter. That work that's stirring inside of you, that's been given to you by nobody else but me. And you can't fulfill that without me. But I want to promise you that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I want to promise you that he who starts a good work in you, he will complete it in you. That your relationship with him is about simply you and him. And when his calling comes upon your life, it doesn't come with the duty of his calling or the condemnation of failing his calling or the requirements of his calling or the costs of his calling. None of those things is what Paul wants us to see. Paul, the great apostle to this church that needed spiritual revelation above all the other churches because the spiritual warfare that they faced in this city was so immense that the majority of the rest of this book deals with spiritual warfare. And what he preempts all of that was saying is talking about the calling that you and I have from God, that he calls us with the hope of his calling. That's what Paul wants them to know. Because when you carry the hope of his calling, it doesn't matter what you go through. Because when God is at work inside of you, you're being fed by his spirit on the inner man. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 that he's, he's sitting there with us and nothing can shake him because he is already there. That's exactly how the first century church, when they were being burned alive and thrown to the lions and when they were dying on the crosses and they were being martyred all over the place, that's how come they could endure because he who was with them wasn't going to leave them. And we're so blessed in our nation that we don't face that kind of persecution. But there are places in the world that do and they find him faithful. Amen. They find him just as powerful today as he was back in that first century. The Bible tells us if you've got your Bibles, please jump over with me to the book of 1 Peter and chapter 1 and verse 3. We're going to find a correlating scripture right here. And it's almost a, a, uh, it's almost a, a, reflection of what we read in Ephesians, but he says here, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's already sounding familiar. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, watch this, to a living hope. And I want to tell you, if, if the hope inside of you feels like it's got to measure up before God's pleased. Well, the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. The Father's not judging you. And Jesus says then in Romans, sorry, in John chapter 8, Jesus goes on and he's tested again by the Pharisees in, in that day. And when they come to him to test him, Jesus actually says, I judge no one. Jesus says, I judge no one. There's coming a day in the future where judgment will happen on the earth. God will judge the earth according to their deeds. There's no way around that because God is a just judge, right? But Hello? But what he's given us in this season is a season for the body of Christ to walk without any condemnation, to know him. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and, and uh, about verses 4 and 5 that... Um, that we're raised up and seated in the heavenly places in Christ. But the Bible tells us at the, at the end of Ephesians, right at the last uh, verse of chapter 1, it says this, that Jesus has been made now head over all things to the church. So if the Father isn't judging and Jesus isn't judging, 
He has been granted to be head over all of the things to our life. What are the things of your world that are before you right now that you're wrestling with? You're trying to figure out, how do I walk with this? How do I break through that barrier? Let me tell you, just bring them into his presence and let him fill you with the hope of his calling. Let him give you his hope back. Let striving cease. You know what striving is? Every time I've worried about what people think of me or worried about trying to make a budget or worried about one thing or another, eventually I've recognized that that's actually a form of pride rising up within me. As though I could do what God calls me to do. As though I could do anything that God has called me to do. All I'm called to do is stay in fellowship with Him, walk with Him, and let Him carry me with His hope. Amen? Let me tell you a story. Just last night, I was, um, I, was, uh, I was resting in the afternoon. I was going to go for a swim down at my local pool, but I just felt, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, about five minutes later, I get this phone call from one of my daughter's girlfriends. So I've got, I've got one son, four girls, my, my middle girl, uh, Lily. She's just been driving for a little while. And I get a telephone call from her best friend who she was out driving with. And she calls me and she says, uh, uh, Tosh, there's been an accident, Lily's okay, but uh, you know, could you come and check it out? Could you come out to where we are? She's very shaken. And I tell you what, a piece of my flesh just wanted to get all stressed out. A piece of my mind just wanted to get all worried and accusatory toward God. God, why would you let this happen to me? I got in the car and I turned on the worship music and I said, God, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to praise you in the midst of this circumstance. doesn't matter that I don't know what's going to happen here. One thing I know is that you let nothing before me that's not for your will. I believe, Lord God, I put my money into my ties. I believe you cover me in that area. I put my faith in you. I walk according to your leading. So you know what? I'm just going to worship you, Lord, right now. I'm going to preach this message in my, in my heart, and I, Lord, and I know in my heart, I'm just going to turn back to you the hope of this calling that you've given me. And I tell you what, every time challenges have come to me and I get into the secret place and I just decide I'm going to worship you because I want to give a sacrifice of praise when I feel like sacrificing nothing, I find God comes and he makes a way where there is no way. So we got Lily, her car is entirely written off and it just so happened that the car crumpled in such a fashion that she got out of it with just a whack on her ankle. Praise God. I couldn't believe it when I arrived there and I saw her standing, but then I looked at her car and I thought, my God, thank you. He who is with us is greater than he who is in the world. Uh, there's there's uh, a couple of other things I want to talk about here. Let's go to Ephesians again and uh, chapter, chapter 1. Back to the second thing here. He says, after the hope of his calling. This one is absolutely beautiful. He wants us to know, after the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, friends, you and I who believe on Jesus, we are the saints according to the Bible. We are the believers in Jesus who are waiting for his return. And the Bible wants us to know, and Paul wants the people to know, from heaven's perspective, looking down to earth, what does the Father see when he looks into the earth? Because the Bible tells us, that the silver and the gold are mine, says the Lord. The Bible tells us about the Father, about God, that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So what is it that God cares about when He looks out into the world? What does God in the, in the heavens, who's sitting on His throne, the Father with Jesus at His right hand, who's been given all authority over all principalities and powers and rule and might and dominion, He's been given to be head over all things to the church. Jesus has been delegated as King. The Father's sitting here wanting to father the people that are out there in His world. And what the Scripture tells us here, and Paul is desirous of you and I to know, is what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. My friends, believe it or not, we are the product of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so therefore, according to this scripture, we are his riches. That's what the Bible says. It's not what I say. But Paul wants us to know essentially how precious we are of the Father. If all the gold and all the silver and all the wealth and all the cattle and everything of value already belongs to the Lord, Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell therein. If it's already his, what's valuable to him? I want to tell you what's valuable to him. It's your love toward him. There's nothing in this world 
that's as valuable to the Father in heaven as when you close your eyes and you pray to him. When you turn your affection and your love to God and say, God, I love you. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. That, my friends, is what the Bible tells us is riches to the Father. And let's not underestimate, even though the devil gets in our ear with his filthy accusations and his lies and tells us, because you've failed before, you're going to fail again. Just understand that God looks at you and when he sees you, he wants to place his dignity within you. He wants you to face that battle in faith in him with the hope of his calling in your heart and say, God, I'm going to praise you in the midst of this circumstance. I'm going to walk with you in faith. I'm going to look to you in the heavens and I'm going to believe that you are not going to be defeated in me. It takes time to get our minds around the favour of God toward us. That's why Paul was praying for these people that they would be filled with the hope of his calling that they would understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He wants us to know about the Father's inheritance in us. And there's that same word again, doxa, the riches, the riches, the riches of his doxa, of his abiding glory in his inheritance in the saints. You, my friend, aren't at the bottom of a list on God's priorities. You are at the top of a list. Every single one of us is one of one in God's equation. You can't substitute the worship of of Pastor Kim. You can't substitute the, the, the work in God that our friends are going out to pioneer and go and carve out new ground for God. You can't do that, but you can do you. You can do your lounge room in worship. You can do your car in praise. You can do your kitchen in fasting. You can do you. Because the Father looks down and he's saying, oh, how much I find you to be my riches. Isn't that awesome? And the third part that I want to close on right now, I'm skipping so much of what I've prepared, but I just feel the Lord in the place and we've got to move quickly. He says here in in the third part, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And verse 19, watch this. And he also wants us to know by the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, he wants us to know in verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Doesn't say in there, he wants us to know what his condemnation of the world is and how special, how special you are and, and how better you are than the filthy people out there who don't believe in Jesus. No, he wants us to know the real world power of him working through us by his love and his grace into the world that's around us. I could tell you story after story of crazy situation I've been in and miracle situation that I've seen God do. But uh, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one silly situation I found myself in one time. I was, um, I was in, I was in uh, the nation of uh, Uganda. No, 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 it wasn't Uganda. It was Mozambique. And I preached this message and uh, we were having a healing rally because in this particular city, you weren't allowed to have a, a gospel crusade because if you got people saved in this part of the city, in this part of the city, there was going to be people coming to try to take your life. So it was dangerous to preach Jesus. So we had a healing rally and all of these people came and I preached uh, about healing from the scriptures, from the holy book. And then I opened it up for, uh, for prayer and this lady comes up and she stands before me and she's got completely blind eyes. She's got these white cataracts over her eyes. And I was talking to the missionary and I've been doing some work with the missionary, talking about how healing works and God's power and all these kinds of things. And I was just saying about how when we're walking with the Lord, we've got to just keep a short account on the voice of the Lord when it comes to issues of faith. If God speaks to us, Jesus said in John chapter 3, that those who are led by the Spirit are like wind. They just come and they go. And people who aren't led by the Spirit, they don't understand people who are led by the Spirit. And so it's really easy when God puts a a, a light and and an easy breeze on the inside of you and you follow that, you soon find it turns into a a force, you know, the the weight of the, the power of God. But sometimes it's just about listening.
better turn that on. It's about listening to, it's about listening to that voice of the Spirit. And I was just sharing with him about different things that we've been seeing on that trip. And this lady came up and it was very stark, you know, this person who's blind and she's being led forward by other, other people. And uh, so I turned to my missionary friend and I said, look, just what's happening for me right now is I really don't feel faith for this miracle to, to, to manifest right here and right now, but let's pray in faith just according to the goodness of God, right? And so I prayed for her, and one of the things that I, I always teach is when it comes to the power of God moving through us into the lives of other people, it's so, there's so much to process if we're thinking about ourselves doing ministry and how do I do it right, but I find this, if we can get our mind off of ourselves and catch God's heart for the person in front of us, it becomes a lot easier then takes away all of the, am I doing good enough questions, or am I saying the right words, or whoops, I misquoted the scripture, I didn't use the right words. All those things just seem to fly away, and we can be caught up in the spirit of the moment, right? And so I said to him, we're going to pray for this lady. So I asked everybody there to stretch their hands out, and we prayed for this lady. I put my hands over her face and, and hands over her eyes, and I prayed in Jesus' name, and I meant it with all of my heart, and I was really trying to catch God's heart for this woman, but I really didn't have it welling up within me. that I've, like I've seen it before when I know someone's going to walk away changed. I didn't have that. And I prayed in Jesus' name, and I've, I'd never seen before that someone's eyes completely healed. And this lady, she, she opens up her eyes, and the cataracts are completely gone. She's got these big, beautiful, deep brown eyes, and she's like opening up her eyes, and she's like, ah, ah. And then she, she starts crying, and she falls in a heap on the ground, and she's sitting on the ground just looking around trying to figure out that this is seeing. Amazing, right? We don't understand the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. But the good news is, it's not your power that you build up inside of you, build up inside of you, and then you have this, this wealth of it that you can unleash it at your will. No, it's walking by faith and not by sight. It's walking by God at work in us and being ready to say, okay, Lord, you're telling me to step out of the boat. All right, well, I'll step out of the boat. And then as you do, you feel the wind start to pick you up and you start to feel his direction and his anointing. And he starts to answer those words of prayer that have been over your life and more stuff starts to come together. And that's just being what it is, what's led by the Spirit of God. And, and in this passage, as it wraps up here, he says here in, in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And it's my prayer for you guys. It's my prayer for this church that we would understand that doing the work of God doesn't depend on you. A relationship with God is all he's asking for with you. And it's just like Matthew 6.33, when we seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, everything else is going to be added to us. And the, it comes down to this, that whole issue of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And his righteousness is a free gift that he gives to us. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, it says to us that he made him who knew no sin to be made into our sin. Theologians call this the, the great exchange. Jesus is here. He's sinless. He's pure. He lived in the earth under all kinds of, all kinds of persecution and villainization. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. And here's us with the, the failure we walk in and everyone pre-Jesus' cross walked in and we've got this problem of sin which goes back to the Garden of Eden. We've all chosen to go against what we know is the right thing in our heart, chosen to step away from what we know is right, step out of God's righteousness and walk our own way. But the only place to go outside of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of darkness. And so when we choose to step out of God's way and think, I'm going to have it my way, we're deluded because we're actually stepping away from God's grace into a kingdom whose king wants to destroy us. So God comes along and he sees the world and he's heartbroken seeing Adam and Eve and their descendants, knowing that all of their descendants are going to be separated from him. But he's smart and he had an insurance plan in Jesus who was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 
Everyone from, before, from the garden onwards were looking forward to the promise of the Savior coming. All through Scripture, in the Old Testament, there's all this promise leading towards the Messiah. What he's going to do, how he's going to operate, when he's going to be around, all the actions he's going to take, what people are going to think of him. And now we stand on the other side of the cross, having seen Jesus do that work. But the main issue is this. The main issue is the issue of his righteousness. Because God is holy, and God is perfect, and God is pure, and God is magnificent and powerful. And he can't be in the presence of people who've chosen darkness. So in that conundrum, he organizes a plan to come into this world after the devil has stolen the rulership of the earth and in Christ justly punish sin, send Jesus to hell for our sin, but death can't hold him down because he's got no sin of his own. And then he's raised up from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, spoken out by the Father, and he raises out of the dead. And then he calls us now into the newness of life that he has post-cross. Isn't that amazing? The Bible even says, if the devil had have known what the consequence of crucifying the Lord of glory would have been, he would not have done it. The very coup d'etat that he thought he had in crucifying Jesus was the death blow that he thought could never come. And that's what Jesus has won for us. And he calls us into a life that reveres and honours and glorifies him. But as we do that, the other thing that happens inside of us is he dignifies us on the inner man. All those words that have been spoken over us, you'll never amount to a hill of beans. You're too ugly to ever. You're too stupid to ever. You'll never, all that stuff that we pretend no one said to us, that sits and gnaws away at the back of our mind, the Father wants to rebuild us from the inside out. And He does that by His righteousness. And He wants to give that righteousness, not to those who, not to those who go out and travel the world and preach, and, or those who build a local church, or those who pioneer and become the giants that the next generation can stand upon. God doesn't look for those people. He looks for everyday men and women who are just going to say, Isaiah 6, here I am, Lord. Send me. But that's what he's looking for. And as we go forward, he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. Made him to be made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And walking as a Christian is not trying to be better than we were the day before. It's just surrendering to God's goodness today. Lord, what's your path forward for me? What's the development that you have for me? What's the victories that you have in front of me? I want everyone to close their eyes and bow their head right now, please. And if that's you and you just feel the Lord stirring you, I want to pray for you after the service. And um, we, we're getting on here today. But I just want to pause the service for just a second. Maybe you're new here today, and if there's one person in the room, you're worth us doing this for, because most of us have committed our lives to Jesus. We've received his gift of salvation for him to come into our lives. And you're hearing the word of God here today, and you're feeling God knocking on the door of your heart. And the Bible says he stands and knocks, and you want to let him in. I just want to say, in your spiritual man right now, just open the door of your heart and let him come in. Say, I'm sorry for what I've done, Lord. I'm sorry for how I've gone away from you and I've hurt others and I've hurt you as I've been doing it. But as you do that, as you say you're sorry, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and He's going to help you to walk a new life. And if that's you today, you want that grace and that victory. And most of us here, I'm imagining, have made this decision before. But you've got to know you are worth us taking a moment for. I'm not going to push you because God doesn't push, but I just want to offer you an opportunity. I want to pray for you. If you want to respond to Him today and say, this is my day, Lord. I want to come into a living relationship with you, my maker. Let Him into your heart right now. But as I pray in a moment's time, I want to know who I'm praying for. While no one's looking around the room, I want you to just slip up your hand and say, Tosh, that's me. Pray for me. I want to do that today. I want to make an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. Let me see your hand here right now. I see your hand there, ma'am. You can put that down. Anyone else in the room? There's a couple more over here, down in the back, up the back again. Anyone on this side here? About five or six so far. Like, I'm not pressuring you. I just would hate for you to miss out. 
God just loves you so much. Anyone else want to say, that's my day today. Pray with me, Tosh. All right. Well, if you didn't want to raise your hand and you do want to pray this prayer, pray it with us right now. I'm going to pray it phrase by phrase. I'm going to ask the congregation to join in with us right here and right now. And you're going to have the assurance according to God's Word that as you come to Him, you're part of His family forever. You're, you're, part of the, you're part of the recipients of His grace and that a new life is welling up in you for your future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name. I ask You to forgive me for all of my wrongs. I receive Jesus as my Saviour. I receive Him as my Lord. And I receive Him to lead my life forwards. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Put your hands together, friends. It's a good morning. The Bible says that there are angels right now that are celebrating in heaven, even for one person that turn. So glory to God. Amen. Now, right now, I want to call people forward for prayer. If you've got needs in your body, I can't promise that God's going to do anything, but I promise that He is a healer. If you've got something that's burning in your heart right now, that as I've been preaching, you feel God's been speaking to you about. If God was speaking to you through the worship and you just want to come forward to the altar, Pastor Kim and myself, we're just going to go and pray for you guys and believe that by the laying on of hands, not by us, but by the office that we carry, God's going to impart something to you today, that your journey is going to be a stronger and a greater journey going forward. Now, if you've raised your hands right now, make sure you see these guys up the front here and, um, and make sure that you let them know you've made that choice for today because it is the best decision that you have ever made. Amen. Amen. Pastor Kim. Thank you, Josh. You can, uh, you can see God move on, on his life, right? An evangelist. Uh, look, before we go our separate ways, and um, I, I want to I give us an opportunity just to honor Pastor Tosh. There is a envelope on your seats. should be on every second seat. If you'd like to use that, just make sure you mark it there clearly. Uh, what is a gift for Pastor Tosh? And uh, we'll make sure that gets to him. Thank you for being here. It's an impactful morning. We're going to dismiss ourselves, but at the same time, we're going to open up the altar. Okay? So if you want to be prayed for, don't leave this place. Don't leave this place. There have been many times through my life where an opportunity like this has opened up. And because I've taken that step, God has spoken something into me that is still very real and working in my life today. So I want to encourage you, don't leave. If God, if God has put, a, put something in your heart, if you've uh, made a decision for Jesus Christ, can I encourage you to come and see Bethany, myself? Um, we would love just to pray with you and give you a little gift, um, a Bible to help you start on your journey. That would be fantastic. Can we stand together? God, be honored in this place. As we stay in an atmosphere of worship and we pray for people who are in need, I pray that you would bless. You'll bless those as we walk out and fellowship and grab a coffee and go about our day, have lunch. Let the words of this message and the encounter with Jesus that has happened this morning carry forward. We thank you that your word is always powerful and effective. And we will see change through it. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Guys, why don't you come out? Come out for prayer. And if, uh, for the rest of us, grab a coffee, hang out. We'd love to catch up shortly.